We strive to make this podcast and story a safe and inclusive place for as many listeners as possible. So if we've missed any content warnings, feel free to let us know. All content warnings are in the description below. Arc 14, Friendship Unbreakable. The source of the disembodied voice from the end of last season revealed itself as Zachariah Afield, now inhabiting his former skull. Both Talia and Celine were very confused about the situation. How did he get here? Why hadn't he been able to move on? Celine was especially worried. As a cleric of the Undertaker, she had an obligation to send restless spirits to the other side. But Zachariah begged her not to. Something was keeping him here. The next morning, Talia and Zachariah got a moment to clear the air between them, and Talia suggested to Zachariah that the reason he was stuck in this form was because he and Selene never got a chance to deal with their feelings or say goodbye. Later in the day, Selene sent a message to Delilah requesting a meeting in Airpac. The pair traveled north, past the town of Ilden, and into the forest where Talia's pack once called home. Nothing was left, save for the crumbling charred homes and scattered bones obscured by overgrowth. Selene made an attempt to contact any spirit that might be left in the area that might be able to provide Talia the information she needed. At first nothing happened, but then a small girl appeared. Talia didn't recognize her, but the girl claimed she was the pack, a manifestation of the spirits of all those who had lived in the small community. She asked Talia why she sought revenge and accused her of it being only for her benefit in the end. Talia fired back, calling out the pack for hiding away when there was danger outside, not only to themselves, but to everyone else like them. The girl offered to show Talia exactly what happened that night. Talia was taken into a trance where she was able to clearly see the three murderers that she had been hunting for 19 years. She watched as one of them killed her father, shooting him with the very same gun she had carried with her, the one she had named Retribution. The experience shook her to the core, making her doubt herself and her quest. But she gained one more name for her list. The man who shot her father was Jim Walker, leader of the 42nd Mercenary Company. Later, Zachariah tried to sympathize with Talia about loss, but Talia was too hurt to hear it. She felt as though she had disappointed her family by seeking revenge, even if it was just for her own personal satisfaction. She later had a dream that night of a little girl and a massive wolf, telling her to protect what was hers. This wasn't just about revenge anymore, though. This was about justice. Heading into Clearwater, Tally and Celine were able to take a closer look at the file from the constables that detailed the death of Jairus' biological mother and father. They found several discrepancies, including the lack of an autopsy. 
Speaking with the local newspaper, the reporter had also noticed these discrepancies, but he had been threatened to stay silent by one of the constables. One Constance Melody. Once he described her, Talia instantly recognized her as the last of the three murderers who had slaughtered her community. Finally, she had all three names. Heading into the plains south of Airpike, they found a lone tree. One with blue leaves. Zachariah stated that he could see the magic surrounding it. Celine was able to push open a door in the back, and they stepped inside to find the Feywilds. But this was different. Before, whenever they went into the Feywild, the air felt like cool autumn. This was somewhere they'd never been before. A golden field, filled with warm sun and high summer. The raw, unbridled magic of the Feywild affected Zachariah's spirit as well. Instead of a ghost light in his skull, he stood before them, appearing to be in a human body. Celine once again felt herself drawn into the wilds. Feelings of pulling every part of her to stay in the warm, luring chaos. But Talia and Zachariah were able to convince her to stay with them, and she once again left the wilds behind her. Later that night, Celine and Zachariah finally had a chance to actually talk about their feelings, both revealing how hurt they still were from everything that had gone on between them years before. Celine eventually admitted that despite everything, she still missed him. Zachariah told her that she needed to let him go. He didn't belong here anymore. Celine knew this as well, but only after she could properly say goodbye. She took his skull back through the door into the Feywilds, where he could have a body once again. Embracing for the last time, they told each other how sorry they both were, and that even after everything, they both still loved one another, and always would. A black door appeared behind them, emblazoned with the skull of a crow. There, in the golden field of summer, they shared one last kiss before saying their final goodbye. Zechariah walked through the door, finally able to rest on the other side. Selina emerged from the Feywild, the skull in her arms now dark and empty as tears streamed down her cheeks. Arc 15 Deals and lies. Talia and Selene went back to Airpike to meet up with Delilah. They had contacted her with the prospect of gathering information on Leroy Brown. For price. Delilah met Talia and Selene in the aeronaut's pleasure, only to reveal that she was already working for Leroy Brown. They offered to pay her more money if she funneled them information about any illegal activity that Brown was involved with. Never one to be loyal to anyone but herself, Delilah agreed. Arc 16. Trouble in Crankshaft. Next, Talia and Selene headed to Crankshaft amid rumors of our clients out on the roads, only to find that the 42nd had taken over the town as their protectors. They spoke with their friend Raven, 
and asked about the state of the town. She confirmed the reports of elk raids, although no one had seen them personally, and the 42nd had been doing patrols on the road. The two made a stop to check on the enchanted garden in the mountains, and the gardener quartz. Among the other plants and flowers, there were new trees sporting blue leaves. There in the garden, Talia proposed to Celine. Celine was stunned, but after a moment she regained her wits and excitedly agreed. Talia revealed that she had purchased the ring back in Blue Peak during the Day of the Mother and had been carrying it with her ever since. It just so happened that the warden was traveling nearby and performed their marriage rite, pronouncing them Talia and Celine Aldred Gray. He also gave them a wedding gift. He enchanted Talia's holy symbol and Celine's wedding ring. As long as they held those items, they would be granted knowledge of where the other was. Talia and Celine spent the next few days offering help to the citizens of Crankshaft with small and menial tasks all while spreading mistrust about the intentions of the 42nd. One night, the 42nd patrol returned to Crankshaft, celebrating a victory over the orc raid they had supposedly stopped. Talia recognized the leader as none other than Constance Melody, one of the three that had slaughtered her community. Celine used her magic to make phantom whispers in Melody's ear making sure she knew that someone was aware of who she was and what she had done. Panicked, Melody sent a rider back north to Duskdown, informing Jim Walker of this development. Celine and Talia then had a quick look out in the desert, where they found a group of 42nd, dressed as orcs. They fit Sheriff Grimm, and together they came up with a plan to have the mayor witness firsthand what the 42nd Mercenary Company had actually been up to in this town. The next morning, Talia, Celine, a few of Crankshaft's deputies, and Mayor Wendellwood headed out on the road. Their cart disguised as a shipment of supplies headed south. As expected, they were ambushed and battle ensued, but Talia, Celine, and the deputies were able to subdue the disguise 42nd. Wendellwood was no longer able to deny the fact that he had been deceived and his town had been used. Arc 17. It's about enough proof. After the battle was done and the prisoners had been taken as proof, Talia and Celine resolved to stay out in the desert for the night. They sent word to Ubendale for any help they could provide, and received a response that James Wilde, captain of the DMP, was on his way and bringing reinforcements. Talia took the time to speak with one of the prisoners, managing to reach some sort of understanding with him, and he began to regret his actions. He told her of the hidden compartment and a pair of boots she had found on one of the 42nd bodies. Inside were written orders from Melody, instructing them to kill anyone they found on the road. Meanwhile, Celine was growing concerned about Talia's deal with Sepulchre. She opened a door to the glade, going into the Feywild to confront him herself. She accused him of doing nothing to help Talia with her quest for revenge, as he'd promised. 
But the broker reminded Selene of the wording of their deal, revealing that the specific word had never said anything at all about actively helping Talia locate the three. He only led her to Death's Whisper, which should somehow provide her the means and opportunity eventually. Selena realized that her wife had been tricked. And in her anger, she marched right up to the broker and slapped him out across the face. While certainly surprised, the broker seemed almost more amused at her boldness. As he watched her storm furiously out of the glade and back to the material plane, he called after her, telling her that she couldn't resist the call of the Feywilds forever, even if she wanted to. In the morning, Talia took the prisoner that she had talked to out into the desert to fulfill the last request she had, to be shot rather than hang. Talia did so, shooting him dead. But at the last second, she revived him using the ring of Spellstorm. She told him he now had a second chance and to do better than let him go. Meanwhile, Celine, confused as how to help, worried about Talia, and not knowing who else she might turn to for answers, contacted the warden. She asked him if there was a way to somehow take over the deals that Talia had made with the broker. He acknowledged how hard it must be for her, but ultimately advised her not to attempt to take over the deal herself. Later that night, while out on patrol, Talia ran into a 40-second scout on the road. She disarmed him and searched him and found an acceptance letter to the Vanasi. The group sent a decoy back to Crankshaft in hopes of buying time waiting for Captain Wilde and his reinforcements to show up before they headed back themselves. Once back in Crankshaft, Mayor Wendellwood addressed the town. He told the citizens that the 42nd had been playing them all for fools, and that they themselves had been responsible for the so-called orc raids. He ordered all the 42nd in the town to be placed under arrest and held for trial. The moment he said these words, however, a loud crack was heard as a shot went off in the town square, and Mayor Wendelwood fell dead. Arc 18, the Battle of Crankshaft. A battle broke out between the DMP and the 42nd. Selene managed to revive Wendelwood, and as the fighting spread through all of Crankshaft, the DMP were joined by citizens armed with whatever they could to defend their town. They fought the 42nd back, until it was just Melody and a handful of their men barricaded inside one of the inns. The DMP, with the aid of the townsfolk, forced away inside. Talia, with her sights on Melody, finally managed to get a hold of her. Face to face with one of the three people that she had been searching for for the last 19 years, she made sure Melody knew who she was while she pressed retribution against her head, pulled the trigger, watching the light of life fade from Melody's murderous eyes. The battle subsided around them, the DMP and townsfolk able to overpower the last remaining 42nd force. 
All of them attempted to head back to Town Hall to regroup. But as they were leaving, Celine saw a figure inside the inn, moving among the bodies with a measuring tape. Celine stopped in the doorway, reminded of the vision she'd had as a child. But the old man informed her that he was just the town's undertaker, and he was only doing his job to clean up. Still, Celine couldn't help but feel strange around him. It wasn't until Talia and Celine rejoined the group that they were informed that the town didn't have an undertaker. And Celine realized excitedly that her instincts had been right. For the second time in her life, she had come face to face with her deity. Talia went to visit Raven to check up on her and make sure that she and the mine were safe. During the visit, Talia felt time suddenly stop. I heard the voice of Death's whisper in her ear. As they had agreed, one name off her list meant she owed him one off his. In the strange limbo between death and life, Talia left her body as Death's whisper led her upstairs to where Raven's father lay dying of old age after a long life. With the gun's power, she was able to summon Death's door and led him through peacefully. The task, however, weighed heavily on Talia's heart. She now understood what Death's whisper would need from her and she knew it would happen again. Distraught, she made her way back to the garden, where she could let out her emotions of everything that had happened that day. Selina found her there and comforted her, assuring her that though it was an unimaginably heavy burden to bear, she could think of no one more suited to lead souls to the other side than someone as kind and steadfast as Talia. Arc 19, running out of time. The next day, Mayor Wenderwood held a public trial for the captured 42nd, which most of the DMP attended. In the middle of the proceedings, three robed figures made their way into the crowd, the tallest of which took out a gun and fired into the air, revealing himself to be Jim Walker. Walker explained to the mayor that he had hoped to take the prisoners with him to face their own justice. The mayor refused, and Walker and Talia shared a couple of parting words. Something didn't feel right. It didn't make sense that Walker would just show up, until they realized it was a distraction. Selene used Cortez to see over the crowd. There were two figures, one going towards the body pile that was currently being bound, and the other heading towards the mines. Talia raced towards the mines, and Selene went to warn Raven. When Talia reached the mines, one of the conspirators were setting charges. After Talia incapacitated her, she realized that the bomb was about to go off. With bare seconds to spare, Talia snatched up the explosives and dropped it into what appeared to be a very dark, very empty hole. Luckily for her, it was a very large hole, and the bomb went off midair, shaking the mines, but damaging nothing. 
Celine and Raven found Talia with their injured quarry, and they all left the mines together. Using a charm spell, Talia managed to get answers out of their would-be bomber, and learned of a secret Venasi teleportation circle at the crossroads. They realized they would have to go deep into Venasi territory in order to handle whatever was going on in Dusktown. Aided by another member of the DMP, they managed to forge an acceptance letter based on the one they had found earlier. The pair resolved to make their way there and attempt to infiltrate the Venasi headquarters. On their way out, Talia checked on Raven one final time. Raven confided that her own deal with the broker was over and that she had given up her soul. She could feel herself fading away. Later, Talia asked Selene if Raven was in danger without a soul, and Selene confirmed that Raven would start to waste away if her soul was not returned. Arc 20 The Promise and the Deal Along the road to Dusktown, Talia and Selene found another fey tree, an oak with blue leaves. Drawn to them as she always was, Celine walked up to it and opened a door into the Feywild, only to be met by the broker. Talia asked him about Raven's deal, and what they might be able to do to return our soul to her. The broker hinted that he would be willing to make another deal with Talia to do so, but Talia wasn't willing to take the bait. The broker then turned his attention to Celine, hinting that she was... Special somehow. Later that night, Talia took a run by herself and ran into the broker once again. The broker, once again, offered her a deal. He would return Raven's soul in exchange for them killing a pest in Duskdown. Talia hesitated. But worried about the fate of her friend, she knew she had no choice. She knew Selene would be upset about this, but it might be the only chance they had to save Raven. Still, Tally had learned from her first deal with the broker, so this time she was sure to word things very carefully before she extended her hand to take the deal. However, the moment the second set of black marks appeared on her skin, she knew she had made a mistake. Later, when Talia showed Celine what she had done, Celine broke into tears. Talia tried to reason with her, but Celine was too upset, too tired, too emotional to keep arguing with one another. The two made a decision to wait at the crossroads for a shipment that Nikki had sent to them. While there, they asked around and formed a plan to disguise themselves to infiltrate the Vanasi headquarters. That night, Selene had a dream where she was being led around a decaying palace by an old man who identified himself as the Moonlit King. They walked through the crumbling halls of his palace, conversing pleasantly about nonsensical things. The king referred to Selene as his daughter, and as they talked, she noticed corruption on his skin before waking up suddenly. The next morning, Talia and Selene received the equipment they were waiting for from Nikki. Talia received a magical shield device that could absorb damage. 
Selene received a set of magical wings that allowed her to fly. Both received caps of disguise to help infiltrate the Venosia quarters. Later that night, Talia tried to apologize for taking the second deal, but Selene refused to hear it. The disagreement devolved into a shouting match, both making accusations against the other. Talia accused Selene of hiding things from her. And Selene shot back that Talia only saw her as a pretty object, not a partner to be trusted with life-altering decisions. Tempers flared and emotions ran high. But amidst all of it, Selene had a sudden realization. Opening a door to the Feywild, Selene informed the broker that she knew what his actual intentions were behind making this second deal with Talia. The nature of the deal was irrelevant. He knew that Selene didn't trust him and wanted nothing to do with him. What a better way to drive a wedge between her and Talia than to manipulate her into taking a second deal. Selene congratulated him. It had almost worked. But in the end, he'd failed. When Talia and Selene returned to the house, they apologized to one another, sincerely, and attempted to move past it. That night, Selene had another dream about the Moonlit King. Arc 21, the Vanasi Lair. The next night, Talia and Selene used the caps of disguise and the forged acceptance letter to convince the operator of the Vanasi teleportation portal to let them through, assuming the guises of Lorelai Grimfaust and her manservant Fen, they were teleported to the Vanasi headquarters in Dustdown. The two managed to bluff their way through the librarian, Keeper Amber Hollow, who reluctantly gave them more information about what was to happen upon initiation. They were required to stay the night before they could meet with Walker in the morning. They also learned things hadn't been going well for the organization as a whole. Low membership, lost battles, and a current local problem that they hadn't been able to handle. Tally and Selene wondered if this might be the pest that the broker had sent them to deal with. While some found them strange, no one in the Vanasi headquarters actually saw through their disguises. The next day, when they met Walker, he and the other Vanasi leadership realized that Selene's, or rather Lorelei's, papers were forged. They managed to maintain their cover, acting outraged at the fake. The two offered to take care of the local problem to prove themselves. Finding no reason to risk more of their own people, Walker and the leadership agreed and sent them into Dusktown. Once in town, they learned a creature the townsfolk called the Spider had stolen all of their children, and there was a nest in one of the houses. Talia went to the blacksmith shop and ordered as many cold iron shotgun shells as she could get in preparation to go into the nest. That night, when they went to investigate, the nest turned out to be a doorway into the Feywilds. This was not the moonlit glade that they had visited before, or the fields of summer. This was an entirely different part of the wilds. A dark forest filled with grey mist, 
and massive spiders crawling among the trees. They learned from the spiders that the children were all at the manor of the lord of this realm, Lord Longfellow. They also told the two that without an invitation, they were trespassing in his realm, and therefore fair game to be eaten, and the spiders attacked. Arc 22. Beware the fellow. After subduing the spiders, Tally and Selene continued traveling through the dark forest, seeing more spiders moving through the trees, along with something large and dark moving along with them. As they continued, Talia suddenly began saying strange strange things, things, wondering aloud why they were here in this place. Celine was immediately suspicious of this sudden change of character. She casually mentioned that it was Talia's birthday, testing her to see if she was under some kind of compulsion. At this, the figure of Talia began to transform, revealing itself to be Lord Longfellow himself. He had lured Celine away from Talia to get her alone and took the opportunity to extend an invitation to his manor. Thanks to the enchantment on her pendant, Talia was able to find Selene again quickly. And so, Lord Longfellow led them both to his manor in the woods. Once inside, they found a large party attended by many minor fake lords and ladies. They were all dressed in elaborate outfits as they enjoyed food, drink, conversation, and dancing. Celine was delighted, unable to keep herself from getting caught up in the spectacle of it all. Meanwhile, Talia was able to keep her wits about her and did some investigating. She discovered that the children were indeed there but they were all under some kind of compulsion and were being used as slaves. It was at this point that Selene realized that she had lost the ability to lie. Even if she attempted to speak a falsehood, the truth would literally come out. Selene was horrified by this. She informed Talia and they both realized that it was their fey heritage beginning to manifest more strongly in her. While they explored the manor, they found a small girl with bright red hair. The girl seemed to be free of the glamour that was affecting the rest of the children, but couldn't remember her name or how long she'd been there. Celine and Talia both realized that the whole mansion was an illusion. What they were actually standing in was a massive web, and everyone there was covered by its threads. Red offered to lead them to the garden where more children might be hiding. Once in the garden, they realized it was a hedge maze. Lord Longfellow appeared and offered them a favor if they solved the maze as entertainment for him and his guests. This took them barely any time at all, and when they were finished, Lord Longfellow appeared again, this time to grant the favor. Talia asked that Lord Longfellow remove the glamour on his web, 
thinking that might make his guests realize what they were in. Lord Longfellow obliged, allowing them to see the web for what it actually was. But the guests remain enthralled. Talia then demanded the children be released. Lord Longfellow refused and attacked. The battle was fierce, but thanks to Talia's cold iron shots, they managed to bring Lord Longfellow down. It was Selene who made the killing blow. And as she did, she felt a surge of power. She had gained the power of Lord Longfellow's mantle and three titles along with it. Lady of the Silken Weave, Mistress of the Shadow Realm, and Slayer of Lord Longfellow. She had become a Fey Lord. Tali and Selene gathered the children and returned them to their parents on the material plane. Almost every child was returned to their families, including the ones who hadn't made it out. Except for Red. They made their way out of Dustan quickly, bringing Red, whose real name was Adrian, along with them. They learned she had been in the Feywilds for a very long time, so long that she didn't even speak common. Tally and Selene decided to take her in themselves, offering her a safe place and welcoming her to their family. Arc 23, Parts Broken and Made Old. Tally and Selene headed back south along the road to Harmville. As they stopped for the night, Tally went outside to check their surroundings. Once she was satisfied they were alone, she decided to shift, focusing on her rage. She was able to shift further that time, taking on more lupine features. But just as her body was getting used to its new form, she was ambushed by Walker and three of the hunters. She tried to call out for help, letting out a roar of fury. In her blind rage, she attacked, but her assailants had come prepared to hunt a wolf, and their silver blades and bullets were too much for her. She was overpowered and killed. Selina dared the distress calls and showed up just in time to see Talia fall dead. She let out a scream of pure agony, pushing the Venasi back with their magic and reviving Talia. The fight went on, this time with Selina Talia's back. Between our magic and Talia's guns, they managed to kill all of them. Talia was able to take her revenge on Walker, the man who had killed her father. Never once for subtlety, they nailed the bodies to a nearby tree, branding their murderers before continuing along the road. In Hanville, Selene used her newfound powers to travel into the Feywilds and open a door back out to Crankshaft. They checked on Raven to make sure the broker had kept his part of the deal. He had, but it resulted in Raven forgetting everything from the time before he took her soul. 
which meant she didn't remember Talia or Celine at all. Whatever friendship they had made, they would need to start over. After a night in Clankshaft, they used Celine's Feywild power to open a door directly to Blackwater. There had been an issue there that some DMP had gone to investigate, but had not returned. But as they stepped out of the door and headed into Blackwater, they were met with an all-too-familiar sight of fog surrounding the town. Arc 24, Sock Puppets and Ragdolls. Entering into the fog-covered Blackwater, Tally and Celine found it almost completely deserted, and the river almost dry. The few townsfolk they were able to find were under some kind of enchantment, or close to going mad. None of them could identify what was going on, and even the only other DMP member they could find, a barbarian woman named Renal, seemed to be completely unresponsive as they tried to get her attention. All the buildings had become trees on the outside, and toy-like whores walked through the streets. Celine figured out that the fog enchantment was due to a fey presence, and after fighting a number of toy-shaped monsters, was met by Tina, a fey that looked like a child and identical to Adrian. She admitted she was responsible for everything that was happening in the town, then sent her toys to attack Talia and Celine before taking her leave. The two fought their way through the onslaught and pursued Tina. They found she'd made a giant dollhouse for herself while she was throwing a party, much like Lord Longfellow, and had bewitched the entire town into attending. After yet another difficult fight, Talia was at her wit's end with fairies and their tricks, and began throwing iron nails everywhere. The house disintegrated wherever the iron touched, and the two were able to find Tina. They bound her, and Selene offered her a chance to live in the Feywilds in her new realm. Tina agreed, but as soon as she was free, she moved to attack Selene. On reflex, Talia drew her gun and shot Tina in the head. Point blank. Killing her instantly. The enchantment vanished, and those affected came to their senses. As they investigated the source of the river, Celine realized that it was the door to the Feywild that had slowly been closing. She was able to use her power to reopen it, and the river flowed freely once again. After restoring the river, she opened a door into the Shadow Realm and attempted to revive Tina. But her soul did not return. When she asked the Undertaker why, he cryptically informed her that Tina's soul was not her own. They buried her there in the Feywild, at least able to give her a place to rest. But Talia could not hide how devastated she was. They returned to their house that night and offered Ronal lift back to Airpipe the next morning by way of the Feywilds. Ever the trickster, Selene opened the door directly into Captain James Wilde's office. They reported in 
telling the captain about what had happened, both in Duskdown and Blackwater. James then took out a wanted poster, one bearing the images of Talia and Celine. They were wanted with a bounty of 500,000 gold pieces for the murder of Jim Walker. Not seeing another choice, they turned themselves in. Arc 25, in the service of justice. Talia and Celine were put under house arrest. As they awaited the trial, they met the attorneys that James had found to represent them, a fire genossi named Felicia Firehawk. With the prosecution claiming they killed Walker in his bed, she planned to prove that Talia and Celine could not have been in Dusktown at the time of his death. They were aided by Delilah, coming through with evidence of Leroy Brown's criminal activities. While under house arrest, Master Talden used their duplicate doorknob to sneak Jarrus back to them. They informed Talia and Celine that when the school had gotten wind of their arrest, the administration had planned to send Jarrus back to the church as a mother, claiming it was for his and the other students' safety while the trial was going on. Talia and Celine spent the rest of their time leading up to the trial with their children and each other, mentally preparing as best as they could for what was to come. Arc 26. The Moment of Truth. On the first day of the trial, Talia and Celine were led in cuffs to the courthouse. Knowing Celine's fair heritage made her weak to iron, and that she had a tendency to pull pranks, James was able to find non-iron cuffs that had a special anti-magic enchantment put on them. The prosecutor at the trial, Silas Tern, started out by claiming to the jury that Talia and Celine were vicious monsters who had murdered a hero. He revealed that the Venasi existed, even going so far as to calling up Ernest due to his research on the, as of then, secret organization. He slowly built up the case that the Venasi had been doing their part to keep the district safe from the shadows and now were prepared to be open about their intentions to help the district protect the natural order in the public eye. As Turn called witnesses to the stand, he slowly dismantled Felicia's case that Tally and Celine could not have been in Duskdown on the night of Walker's murder, by proving that the two of them had traveled from Duskdown to Hornvell, Crankshaft, and eventually Blackwater within a matter of days, Celine's ability to teleport through the Feywilds was revealed. Eventually, Leroy Brown was brought to the stand. There, he unemotionally recounted how he, along with Constance Melody and Jim Walker, had gone into Talia's community and slaughtered everyone. At cross-examination, Felicia presented her evidence of all of Brown's illegal activity. But Brown was unfazed. He said that in the face of so much evidence against him, he knew that he would most likely have to face punishment for his crimes, but proclaimed that even if he were to be hanged, it would be a small price to pay in the name of protecting the district and preserving the natural order. At that, Felicia became worried at the progress of the trial, as she had not anticipated this strategy. When it came time for Tally to take the stand, Turn asked her bluntly if she had killed Jim Walker. 
Talia hesitated only a moment before she admitted that, yes, she had. Panicked? Felicia called for an immediate recess, where she demanded to know just what Talia was thinking by admitting her guilt. But Talia told her about the Venasi amulets that had been submitted into evidence. She had remembered something that the librarian had told her back at the Venasi lair. The amulets showed the owner's death. If they could figure out how to make them work, it would prove that Walker didn't die in his home in Dustdown the way the defense keep claiming that he had. Talia and Celine had killed him, but they could plead not guilty by self-defense. Felicia asked the bailiff to bring Ernest in, and he was able to find the enchantment. Sure enough, the image of Jim Walker appeared, dressed for hunting. They returned to the courtroom, and Felicia began to rebuild her case. She had Ernest activate the amulets and showed what Walker looked like at the time of his death. She then brought Tally up and asked her to recount the events of what happened 19 years ago. Once again, reliving the horror that the three Venasi members had wrought onto her life. Alicia continued questioning by addressing a point Turn had brought up earlier. Natalia had murdered Walker in revenge for slaughtering her family. Felicia brought up all the times that Talia could have killed Walker before that night, but didn't. Talia responded by asserting that she wasn't a criminal. She was a DMP member and a bounty hunter. She didn't want revenge. She wanted justice. When it came time for Turn to cross-examine, he tried to bait Talia with a gun hidden inside his coat. Reminding her that Brown was right there in the courtroom. Terry didn't take the bait. But she did acknowledge how convenient it was that the very people she had been searching for had started making so many mistakes. Citing how Brown had even admitted what he had done to her community, in a court of law no less, under oath, in front of dozens of witnesses and reporters. Then Talia stopped, as if she realized what she had just said. Leroy Brown had openly admitted what he had done. Overcome with emotion, she broke down on the stand, sobbing. But upon returning to the courtroom, Town appealed to the judge that Talia's testimony should be stricken from the record. According to him, she was a monster and didn't deserve the same consideration for her melodramatics. Felicia offered to prove what sort of monsters Talia and Celine were, and proceeded to call witness after witness of all the people the two had helped throughout their time together. Witnesses from all over the district came to testify on Talia and Celine's behalf. It was finally time for closing arguments. In turn's closing statement, he sought to remind the jury that Talia and Celine weren't people. They were unnatural monsters that had murdered a hero. However, in Felicia's closing statement, 
she asked the jury to remember that a person may be different, but that did not mean they weren't people. She appealed to the jury to remember this fact as they reviewed the case that had been presented and encouraged them not to be persuaded by fear. The jury left to deliberate, and then all anyone could do was wait. After several anxious hours, the jury returned. They filed back into the courtroom, and the judge asked them to declare their verdict. They found Talia and Celine not guilty. Leroy Brown was arrested immediately by Captain James Wilde and taken into custody. Turn, meanwhile, in his frustration at losing such a high-profile case, apparently had forgotten about the gun in his coat pocket. That is, until it fell out of his coat pocket in front of everyone. He made a grab for it and tried to shoot Talia, but was stopped by one of the constables. Talia and Celine were free to go, so they returned to their home to the delight and relief of Jareth and Adrian. Talia realized that with Melody and Walker both dead and Brown in custody, her quest for justice was at an end. After 19 long years, she had accomplished what she had vowed to do. It was finally over. But as Talia and Celine were sleeping soundly that night, they were awoken by a pounding on their front door. Talia answered it to find James looking frustrated and angry as he informed them of what had just happened. Leroy Brown had escaped. Thank you for listening to the recap of season two. If you need a refresher on season one, we also have a recap for that one too. The Feywild West season three will premiere on October 5th for our patrons and October 7th for the public. In the meantime, head over to all of our social media pages to see all the fun things we'll have as extras for August and September. If you ever want to chat with us and some other really amazing people, join us on Discord. We have a memes chat and everything. Stay legendary.